T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let me be the first to wish you a happy afternoon. I'm the first one to say it. No one else has said it. It was me first, so you're welcome. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, everybody. Uh, we're going to go back to the Western Hotline because my man Matt Perino, New York Upstate, the Shout Podcast, joining me now on the Western Hotline to talk Bills and Vikings. And Matt, uh, good afternoon to you, my friend. Thanks for joining the program. Thanks for having me, bud. I feel like we haven't talked in a while. So I know. Catch up. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I just had Mike Giardi on of NFL Network uh, right before you. We were talking a little bit about the Jets and that game last week. And before we kind of dive into all the storylines that exist for this game, I wanted to kind of wrap a bow on that Jets game. I got Will Parkinson. He does a Jets podcast. We're going to talk next, too, to kind of dissect and diagnose exactly kind of what went right for the Jets and what went wrong for the Bills. But, uh, you know, getting your thoughts on the finality of, of sort of that game and, and obviously what it means now with potentially missing Josh Allen for a game or maybe multiple games, you know, looking back at that Jets game, where do you think maybe the Bills – maybe went wrong in that game because, you know, I think a lot of people look at the run game. They want to blame the defense who only gave up 20 points in that game. But, you know, it was a Josh Allen and, and the turnovers or how the Jets defended the Bills. Like, to you, what was maybe the de facto storyline of, you know, what went wrong for the Bills in that game? Yeah, I think, like, to me, you know, there's a lot of things that didn't go right. And it's going to be close games in this division now. I think that's what we've learned over the course of the first half of the season, this division is a lot better than I think most people would have told you in August. But, you know, it's just like the, the little things, like talking to Ken Dorsey on Monday and him saying that, you know, throughout the course of that game, they just never really found a rhythm. Whenever they thought they were getting into one, you know, the next drive there was a, a run stuffed or an incompletion or a drop pass or a misread. I mean, it's like, when you have that consistently over the course of four quarters and you're going up against a defense that's as good as the Jets at all three levels and you don't get the ball back really until like under two minutes to score after you haven't had any success all half, it was just kind of like the collection of, of errors led to what you know the final result was. And you know if you're asking me what the biggest concern is, I think that Gabriel Davis kind of gets back on track. I don't think that that's going to continue to be a problem. I think if Josh Allen sees the Jets in December, he's more effective as a passer. But I'm really concerned about this run defense, and maybe they'll come out this week against Dalvin Cook and rectify things and really be a little bit stronger up front. Matt Milano will be back, and he'll probably obviously help that a lot. But the thing to me that stuck about that game is like, you knew they were going to run the ball after you, especially after the first you stop them, and they couldn't stop them. And Von Miller didn't really have any answers after the game. He promised that he's going to get it fixed, 
but he didn't have any answers. And to me, that was alarming because this is the same kind of this, this team more than any should have had ideas about how to stop it when it was happening to them in the fourth quarter because of how much it happened to them last year. And I don't think you want to overreact to it. I don't think you want to, but it's definitely something like if I take one thing from that game that I'm going to be watching closely, it's going to be how do they react when teams just want to come downhill and run it straight at them. Yeah. And like, listen, I'm part of this was, it sounds like we're, if if you were to rewind and bring us back to a show where I had you on in 2022 or 2021, we might, I feel like maybe we were having the same conversation about this run defense, right? And when you face these run heavy teams, maybe it's right after that Colts game last year or, you know, the Titans game where you felt like you, you hemmed in Derrick Henry for long enough, but, you know, he breaks that one big run. And that's kind of just, has been the storyline about this Bills defense. But starting from the year here, Matt, it felt like they'd figure things out. Daquan Jones would just seem to be such a huge asset and such a big pickup for this defense. And really, right up until the second half of that that Green Bay game, all was good in the run game. Like, how how are we maybe switching our thoughts about this run defense after six quarters, considering they had 16 quarters of really sound football, at least against the run? Yeah, I think that's the kind of like the good part about this is that it could be like a wake up call that, or or maybe it's just an aberration, right? Like it, maybe it's just six quarters where they get back on track and and they're a lot more physical. And I thought Daquan Jones, to your point, has been really good, and he was, you know, he did his job a lot in that game. If you go back and watch it, I mean, he takes double teams, and you know that's got to wear a guy down over the course of of a game. But he had a missed tackle on. Uh, on that last drive there, um, one of the bigger problems and something that we could probably talk a little bit more about too is like Jaquan Jones just or Johnson just Whew. not really, yeah, not really like it just he doesn't play the p- position as fluidly obviously as Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. But when you're asking him to be kind of that that firecracker, that guy that comes in and takes the right angle and at least puts a a hit on a ball carrier. I mean, there was a few plays where he just completely whiffed. And you just can't have that. And you could see that that takes a two or three yard potential run, turns it into 15, 16, 17 real quickly. Uh, and I've been talking about it this week on the podcast. Like, I know a lot of people are expecting, you know, Johnson maybe to get set down and maybe Dean Marlowe to get the, the call up. But don't be surprised if maybe they throw a curveball and maybe go with a guy that they, that's been in their system for a while now in Cam Lewis, who switched over to safety uh, back in training camp. Um, I don't know. I, I just I'm trying to think of the athletic profile of what's the what's the closest thing to what Jordan Poyer brings from a physicality perspective, quickness, reaction time, and I just think that Cam Lewis in that new role, like maybe taking a shot on him uh, while Jordan Poyer needs another week, it, it's something that's been interesting this, this week. So I'm going to be watching that kind of closely as we get to game time on Sunday. All right, I guess we could talk about Josh Allen now, um, and you know what the potential for this game is. I'm 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 sort of interested. Like Mike Giardi was, was was when we were just talking to him, and even John Price, who we who we talk to every Saturday as well, talked about like, well, if you were to say like Josh Allen in this game, if he were to miss this game, the Bills were to lose, but he could come back healthy next week. I think that's a you know a scenario that maybe you take. Where where do you stand on the Josh Allen dilemma? And do do you get the sense that? You're like if you were a betting man, if you had to put the line down, are, are you are you are you thinking he's playing tomorrow, or do you think he's out maybe tomorrow and maybe even another week, just to understand that you've got an NFC team this week on the docket, and and maybe I don't want to say that this game doesn't matter, Matt, because it matters, of course, but it definitely does not matter the same as an AFC matchup will. Right, and I think you have some time, right? I mean, go back to 2018 when it took the four weeks 
depending on the severity of, of the injury, maybe it doesn't take that long. But I think you have some time against the Vikings the next week. Browns are a better team than I think people want to give them even credit for. But it's still a, you know, a home game. You, know, you went out and you traded for Case Keenum for these kinds of situations when you need kind of a, uh, a stopgap uh, just as, as a guy's trying to get healthy. Uh, I don't think you want to push it. But um, the problem with trying to project this is that we don't know – we haven't been able to see Josh Allen throw the ball. Like, what's the grip like? What's the, what's the velocity like? Can he be the same player? And, and that's one thing that Sean McDermott said that you know, I took to heart this week is that you know, they're not going to put Josh Allen out there unless he could be Josh Allen. And so can he be hit that like a week later? I don't know. But then I go back to that game and I watch him on cork a 70-yard ball two plays after he suffered the injury, which is a completely different scenario than the Houston game. Like, yep. If you remember the Houston game, like he couldn't even barely throw the ball at all. So, yeah, I mean, am I, and am I, am I a, like, where am I at? I think 50-50 is a great place to put it. I was probably more 60-40 that he won't play on Thursday. But seeing him kind of out there in the jersey and you know, he had the, the, the stuff on the – I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm of the mind that, you know, Josh Allen – being healthy and playing at his best in December is far more important to me than whatever game they've got on, you know, November 13th against an NFC opponent. But at the same time, you're right. It's a, it's a home game. And maybe the pressure of this division is more than they maybe would have thought they would have this early in the season. No. Oh no, without a doubt. Um, it, it, you got to have him right for those, for that gauntlet that starts with new England in, in about a month. Uh, and so, yeah, you want to be as preca- like precautious as you can. And like, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's, it, it's a situation where the, the Vikings are a really good team. Right. But I, I also wonder, like one thing that Isaiah McKenzie said to me this week or to, to our group this week, when we were talking to him was like, it, this week's given Josh a chance to stand back and, and experience practice in a different way. Like, you know, from the sidelines, like watching receivers run routes, and talking to them about, like, just what's going through their mind from that vantage point, right? Like, watching them actually from the sideline as opposed to from behind the line of scrimmage. And they had some good conversations. And I guess Isaiah told him on one play, like, Josh asked him, like, well, oh, why do you run it this way? And he said, well, maybe if you run it this – Josh said, why don't you run it this way? Maybe it would work or be more effective. And it's like both of them kind of, like, their eyes widened a little bit and stuff like that. So this could be a good thing for, for Josh to maybe step back for a week, watch – watch the offense work with Case Keenum and, and then hit come back in, in to the drawing board and figure out ways to improve because the, the offense did stagnate a little bit uh, over the last six quarters, and he's, he's turned the ball over uh, a lot more than he has, uh, you know, really dating back the last year and a half. So this, this could be a good thing maybe. You know, I, I'm, it's, it's almost a shame that the Josh Allen conversation is overshadowed. What I think should be one of the storylines of the entire week in the NFL, which is – you know the return and the the matchup between Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson, two of the t- two of the league's elite wide receivers, and maybe one of the what most even trades of all time in the NFL. Like I, this week, hearing and listening and talking to Stephon Diggs, like is this another game for him, or do you believe like he's he's ready to draw some blood in this game? I really don't think he's that. That's the mindset. Hmm. Like I, I don't think that there's hard feelings. Like. I guess the best way to think about it is like this. Like if you, if you had like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, right. And you guys were, you, you, you had a good run, but maybe it ended, you know, it, you know, in a bad way, it wasn't as, as good as you, as you'd like, you're probably not going to talk much after the fact, 
and you know you move on and you meet like the love of your life and you get married and everything is so mean and like you know you're putting together you know uh christmas cards and that person got married and they're having a and you and you decide yeah i want to send them a christmas card because you know might might have ended badly then but i've got something so great now that it doesn't even matter and that's how i kind of feel like with what's going on with Diggs right now i mean he's the best receiver in the nfl right now you can make that argument right i mean he's second in receiving he leads the league in touchdowns you know as good as he was in minnesota he didn't have a josh allen there he didn't have a team that was you know perennially now competing for afc titles and potentially super bowls and i still think that if you look if you put those two franchises next to each other right now the Bills are, are are probably far and ahead, just a better run organization with the with more longevity with the way that the rosters have been built. Built so when you have that, and you are a guy like Stephon Diggs who kind of roots for other receivers, like you know he's a huge fan of Justin Jefferson and he's he's happy about that. I don't think he has any hard feelings for Kirk Cousins. It's just I think he was really good friends with Adam Thielen too. So it's mm. like there's all these like kind of lovey feelings to it all. I think it's just kind of another game. I I almost feel like. Coming off of that Green Bay game, too, nothing can be as high-octane as that. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen him in three years get that, you know, hyped up talking to another person as he was with Jair Alexander. So I almost feel like this is kind of going to be more of a a mini love fest. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's how it feels going into it. Mm. Matt Perino here, New York Upstate's Shout Buffalo podcast here on the Wester Hotline. Matt, I want to ask you about some more Bills pass catchers. Where are we with the Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir thing? And and maybe this is going to be more of a conversation as the season kind of chugs along. But one of the things last week that really stood out to me in that game is Dawson Knox. And we're going to talk about him in a second. But the lack of that third option. And Dawson Knox is part of that equation. But they really have not landed on and felt comfortable with a full-time player at that third wide receiver position. I really kind of all but assumed Isaiah McKenzie, who, let's just say what it was. Like, he was the MVP of training camp, Matt, and he looked better than, I mean, he looked like the one consistent force in this offense. It has not carried over to regular season games, and I think they're still searching for that third wide receiver option full-time, and I think it hurt them. I think they needed a guy to dump the ball down to last week because they had to keep that running back in to block because they really couldn't beat that Jets defensive line five versus four. They were losing man-on-man battle. So what what do you make of this third wide receiver battle? Is that the right word for it? Yeah, it, it's interesting. We spent a lot of time on the show talking about this in recent weeks. And, you know, the best that I can come up with as to why the Isaiah McKenzie experiment hasn't worked is because for whatever you want to say about Cole Beasley over the last three years, what he did really well as a player was something that I think this offense is missing. And that is get instant separation and give that safety valve option to, to Josh. And like, go back and look at Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think that he, I don't think it's not in his repertoire to be able to do that and do it consistently if he's able to, but it's not really how he's won when he's had big games over the last couple of seasons, he's winning on a lot of these, like, I'm just faster than you. I'm going to make a move. Exactly. I'm going to win on crossers down the field, 15, 20 yards, as opposed to that really like flawless technique at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's one of the reasons they brought in Jamison Crowder. And obviously he's got the broken ankle and it's, it's unsure if he's going to be back this season. What I think the, the play can be, because I think that 
the acquisition of Naheem Hines and wanting to take things off of Khalil Shakir's plate, to me that that signals that they want him in that Gabe Davis rookie year role where, you know, if something comes up, we'll bring you in, but we want to take it a little bit slower than anything else. I, I don't think that we're in it. We're, we're, we're getting anywhere near like Khalil Shakir featured in the slot role. And maybe I'm wrong about that. What I think we could be closer to is they're hoping Naeem Hines can somehow have mm. some type of role in that slot position, you know, pairing with Isaiah McKenzie and finding a way to utilize both of their strengths. Like talking to Hines last week, he's like, I think I went on routes. Brandon Bean said that he loves his ability to separate at and around the line of scrimmage. So I'm just kind of piecing this thing together, and maybe that could be the option that works best. Because I think I don't think Bean was lying. I don't think James Cook's Cook's role is going to shrink in this offense now that Hines is here. I just think that maybe they're going to use Hines in a different way than we thought originally. All right, well, let's talk more about Hines. Like, are you expecting a much bigger role this week? I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was, like, disappointed he didn't play a lot last week or that I expected him to play more. This is his first week. Like, I, I think that where they put him, they put him in a situation at the end of the game to try to get a spark on a route that – you know, he runs maybe better than any running back in football, that, that wheel route. Um, but having said that, I was not surprised. I wasn't expecting him to get, like, a special package as a play something. He really didn't practice in full until Wednesday, um, or Thursday even. Like, that. that's a lot for a player. So what do you expect a role to look like this week with uh, with Hines? Yeah, I definitely I definitely expect an uptick. Um, I, I think that you could probably throw him in a, in a bunch of different situations. But I'm wondering if they don't try to put the defense in a bind and, and try to get – him and Cook on the field together at the same time and try to figure out, okay, how are they going to line up? Because you could really come out of that, send both of those guys in some type of funky motion and put one out wide, keep one in the backfield, however you want to kind of dress it up. And, and that's on Ken Dorsey to do that. And I think Hines has felt much more comfortable. He seemed much more comfortable this week. He's getting himself you know, more, uh, you know, comfortable in the locker room and with the way that practice goes and probably deeper in the playbook. And so there'll be a, uh, uh, a lot more pages in that playbook open to him this week. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great observation. I think it's something that, you know, will be important because if Keenum plays, I really think that those guys, you know, even Stefan Diggs is probably going to be really important in that short intermediate area. But Hines could be a real weapon that helps uh, and, and they can kind of test that theory out about how defenses are going to, you know, handle him being in, in the huddle with everybody else. All right. And let's talk about Dawson Knox here for a second. I've been maybe the most vocal about like, where is he? Why aren't you using him? And, and you looked last week, part of it, I really wanted to put on Ken Dorsey that he hasn't been featuring him. There's not enough plays that just get him a, a, a schemed up touch. Even if that's a screen pass or something to get him some yards after catch because he has that ability. But there were plays out there last Sunday where Dawson Knox was open that Josh Allen pressed the football down the field instead of checking the ball down to Dawson Knox. But I guess where I stand on this is, are you good with Dawson Knox just being a safety valve, being an outlet? Because right now, Josh Allen isn't finding or getting to the outlet. And do you believe that he... And maybe I'll leave out the fact that he signed the extension. I think that's an over-talked-about point. Just because he made the money doesn't necessarily mean he should be featured in the offense. But it feels like he might be your most consistent player, pass catcher, outside of Stephon Diggs. Like He might and probably should be, based on the value that they placed on him, their, their number two target in the offense. And he's not even their number four target. 
Yeah, it's the Dawson Knox conversation. Such a hard one to have because on, on the one hand, I'm thinking about what the dude has probably just gone through since you know the passing of his brother, and I and I don't know how much that um, has impacted him. I can't. I I'd probably say a lot, right? Even to this moment, like going through every day, every week. Like I can't imagine what that's like, and then they just have all the stresses and pressures of an NFL season. So there, there's a little piece of me that maybe isn't doing my job enough and maybe hasn't been hard enough on him knowing that, you know, that, that part of it is happening. But I also think it's like, you know, it's, it's a rhythm thing the same way that, you know, the rhythm wasn't working for the offense last week. There's just, there hasn't been a great rhythm between Josh and Dawson Knox throughout the season. And I think that when they've been really good together, you know, it's been consistency, him being available. Like he was actually banged up a little bit. Like he, he was on the injury report early in the season he was dealing, I think, with a hip and a foot injury at the same time, and it seems like he always has that early in the season where he has something that kind of keeps him on the injury report for a couple of weeks. And so maybe we're just kind of approaching the time where he gets himself feeling right, he gets himself um, in, a, in a rhythm, and him and Josh Allen kind of have a couple of really good weeks of practice, and then that's what kind of unlocks it a little bit. But I think the expectation of him being that number two guy in this offense, I don't think that that's a bad expectation for fans to have, especially after the contract. And I think you can use that as a reason why you want the production to be a little bit more there. But I think going back to last season, there is evidence that he can be a really, really integral part of this offense. And so I just think it's it's about it clicking. And maybe he's just needed a little bit more time because of everything else that's going on for him this year. All right, last thing I have for you. I would think there's an expectation Spencer Brown could potentially be back this week. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, did, did I see he was listed as questionable, or did I see him as a full participant, Matt? Full participant Thursday and Friday. Seems like he's good to go. Okay, so getting Spencer Brown back, do you expect that to have uh, an impact? Because in the run game, David Questenberry's fine. Um, he had a really tough game last week against the Jets in pass blocking. Yeah, and I expected that, honestly, even if Brown was playing. I mean, Carl Lawson, I'm, I'm not sure how much of it was that. I'd have to go back and actually really look at the, the the reps and which side he was on, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, you go across their defensive line, they're really good. But I don't think we were talking enough about how good that defensive line. That might be the best They're darn line, good, yeah. One through five in the league right now. And so uh, I think getting Brown back, they like Brown more. I mean, they, they, they want to get him in even when Questenberry kind of had the – was playing a lot in training camp. As soon as Brown was healthy, he always got back in. Uh, he's had his struggles at times this year. He's been coming off that back injury. I don't know if he's ever been really 100%. Uh, but, yeah, getting him back and, and working more on that continuity, that's the group with him in there that's played the most snaps together in games this season. So I think that could probably help Keenum if he has to go, just kind of solidifying things. But, listen, it doesn't matter if it's it's Brown or Questenberry. It's the, it's the NFL, and every week it seems like you're going up against elite pass rushers somewhere. And it just so happens that this week it's again, it's on the edge with Zedaria Smith and obviously Daniil Hunter. Both of those guys just wreaked havoc on um, Taylor Heineke last week. And I, I think that Washington's offensive line has actually been decent and, and, and they've held up a lot. But this is a game where um, they're going to be under fire. And it goes back to your earlier point that you made, like are the Bills – going to be able to do a good enough job in pass protection to be able to utilize all of their weapons. Because I think the, you know, especially on the outside, they're going to test Deion Dawkins and, and likely Brown. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Enjoy the, uh, the weekend slate of college football games today. And uh, maybe I'll catch you tomorrow on some, uh, some, you know, broadcast booth, uh, press box. What do they got? The, uh, 
the old buffet line. Maybe I'll see you at the buffet line tomorrow. Anytime, buddy. I, I know. Love, I love myself a good buffet. Well, of course, I was going to say, you know who never misses a good buffet is Jerry Sullivan. Not one time has Jerry Sullivan ever missed a good buffet. He He's never I missed got, a bad I buffet. I have a word with him tomorrow. I got to have a word with him tomorrow. He's, he's on one this morning talking about, he doesn't like the fact that I appreciate you has entered the lexicon. Jerry, bah humbug, man. It's not even, <laughs> we're not even at Christmas yet, dude. What is going on? Listen, anytime he gets a chance to rile people up, he's going to do it. Um, but like I said, like maybe the, the, the king of buffets, good or bad, ugly, what doesn't matter, Jerry, but Jerry Sullivan never misses a buffet. So Love it. See you tomorrow, buddy. All right, buddy. Matt Perino there, New York Upset in the Western Hotline. Timeout, Will Parkinson. He's joining me live from Yankee Stadium, Cortica, Cortland, Ithaca, at Yankee Stadium today. He's there checking out his former school. I'm assuming... He's an Ithaca guy, so we'll talk to him on the other side, talk some Jets bills, and talk about the rest of this Jets season, what they're looking like here. Coming up next on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Head coach Sean McDermott joins the Extra Point Show with Sal and Joe every Friday morning at 1030. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Northwest.com. Former NFLer and Odyssey insider Ross Tucker. Join Chopin the Bulldog every Thursday at 5 p.m. Brought to you by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at Northwest.com. Okay, halfway mark. Sports Talk Saturday rolling along here on this murky, kind of crappy Saturday, but it is what it is. Joining me now on the West Her Hotline live from Yankee Stadium at Cortica is Will Parkinson. He is the host of the Turn On the Jets podcast. Will, thanks so much for joining me, man. Well, where are your, who's your alma mater? Is it Cortland? Is it Ithaca? Where you, where, where'd you go to school? Uh, we're at Cortland. We're a Cortland uh, family here, so, you know, it's... Uh... You know, we're we're representing Corlin. We're doing the state versus private uh private robbery game. So uh you know, we're rolling with uh with Cortland State here. Very good. I would tell you that I'm a Buff State alum, uh, and I don't believe we ever beat Cortland while we while we were playing at Buff I was State. Gonna say, I was going to say as much, but uh, you know, it's your show. I don't want to. <laughs> I want to show you up on your own show. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Uh, I will say though, uh, Buffalo State. 
uh, legend, Jerry Boys, his son, I want to say, is the starting quarterback for Corlin right now? Yeah, he is. He is. You're, uh, you're not wrong there, so. How's he looking? Is he is he a stud? What's what's yeah, going on? He's a stud. Yeah, no, we we can't uh, we can't complain here. Nine and zero, uh, and you know we'll uh, we'll certainly take it between the Jets being six and three. Yeah, and right. Portland being nine and zero, I'm having a good call. And the center, by the way, is defensive coordinator from Buffalo State, Terry Bitka's son as well. So there is a lot of buff. The Buffalo State connection with Cortland is uh, is 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 alive and real. So good to good to see those guys having success. Let's let's talk about the. The NFL here, and let's talk about that. Let's rewind a little bit, if we can, Will, and talk about that game last Sunday where your Jets, again, get to a 6-3 and three mark on the season. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, that week leading up, there was a lot of conversations around what's going on with Zach Wilson. Is this a make-or-break game for him? Could he potentially get benched from Mike White if it, does, if it goes poorly? Like, those were the conversations around here in the Buffalo market. Um, we had Jets reporters coming on, kind of throwing a little bit of water on it, but not completely, you know, shutting it down. Where, How much has things changed for Zach Wilson, I don't know, in the last eight days? Yeah, so... The, the tag thing is, is always going to be interesting and polarizing. Um, look, I, I, he struggled mightily against New England. There's no way around it. You know, he's one to start this year. He wins guy, but I think anyone can attest. Obviously, the only thing that really matters is getting Ws at the end of the day. And, you know, he'd been 4 0 as a starter. Um, you know, they're going into the, the Patriots game. They look good. They play well outside of, they play well outside of, uh, you know, outside of Zach. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he throws three interceptions and, and there's a lot going on. And, you know, and, uh, you know, he goes into, goes into the Bills game, you know, struggling and, um, you know, he's able to play well and playing, he's playing it, you know, he's able to play well and, and he, he obviously did, he did enough to, you know, kind of get things done. And, um, you know, the, the mood around Zach right now is, you know, he's a winning quarterback and, you know, he's doing just enough to kind of get them those W's and just turn the ball over you know, things are going to kind of go well for the Jets. Yeah, and obviously the one area that I think a lot of people – listen, I'm not a Jets fan or anything, but I really liked what I was seeing. And I think obviously Jets fans too really liked what they were seeing from Brees Hall. Then he goes down with the injury. They go make the trade for James Robinson. And obviously his first game, not a lot of snaps. His first – you know, he didn't get a full week of practice. What did you see from him and what this rushing attack is going to look like for the rest of the way with Michael Carter and with James Robinson? Yeah, no, look, I think James Robinson's a nice NFL back. And, um, is he Brees Hall? No. But at the end of the day, he's a, he's a confident NFL running back, a one-cut runner, makes people miss. And um, he, he's a guy that, between the, him and the tandem of you know him, Michael Carter, um, even you know, a guy like Donovan Knight, who's an undrafted, uh, undrafted rookie that runs hard, the Jets have just enough at the running back position right now that you know if they are able to block effectively the way they were against the Bills, um, they're able to kind of have that confident round game, or run game and uh, – you know, it's, it's something that it might not be as explosive without Brees Hall, but James Robinson's a guy that, that's going to get you four or five yards of pop. And, um, you know, it's something this offense needs to kind of stay ahead of the six. So tell me a little bit about this offensive line, because I've, I've got to tell you, I went into this game thinking, OK, well, that's really where the Bills are going to be able to take advantage of this Jets team is on that offensive line. A lot of guys moving around, you know, you no Mekhi Becton, no Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, though, especially with Elijah Vera Tucker, who is, for all intents and purposes, the best offensive lineman in, uh, you know, in New York. Uh, how have they been able to not just piece things together to get by through injuries, but look really darn good against the Bills' defensive line that going into that game was considered a top-five unit pretty universally. 
Yeah, look, Bills are they're arguably the best defense in the NFL going to that game. And, you know, you've got the Cowboys right alongside them, even the Eagles. And, uh, you know, the Jets were able to kind of just lean on them, use some kind of simple concepts in terms of some power and counter game. And um, they're able to lean on them. The Jets are a team right now that's able to, you know, kind of stay ahead physically of other teams. And when it gets to the fourth quarter, they're able to lean on you, uh, you know, make things work. It's been a patchwork this year through the offensive line, whether it's, um, as you mentioned, left tackle was an issue early on in the year. You had Elijah Vera Tucker go out and tie back and others. And, um, you know, they've had guys like Lincoln Thompson had his probably his best game as a Jet uh, on Sunday. And you look at a guy in run game, C.J. Uzama, the tight ends have been huge in order to kind of, uh, you know, push that run game and help that offensive line out. So it's not the unit that everyone saw going into the year, but it's a unit that they, you know, obviously capable, serviceable. And, um, you know, if you're able to kind of get a lead or, or be close in the game, Going into the fourth quarter, they're, they're a unit that can kind of lean on you and, and get those, you know, extra yards and, and start to kind of pound the ball, you know, down your throat, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, as the fourth quarter goes on. So what did you see, I mean, maybe in specifically the secondary, and again, in that second half last week, that really maybe clogged up the deep middle and the deep parts of the field where Josh Allen, I I think everybody knows right now, that's where Josh Allen really wants to attack. He wants to attack the deep portions of the field. He's got one of the best arms in football, and he's comfortable with the ball traveling 20, 25, 30-plus yards in the air. The problem is, if you go back and watch that second half and some of the zone coverages they were running against the Bills, the one thing I kept noticing is just them really clogging up the deep middle with their linebackers. Their linebackers weren't dropping 10, 15 yards, Will. They were dropping 25, 30 yards, and they were leaving the the middle of the field, those short and intermediate dump-offs, wide open for Josh Allen, begging him to take it, and he didn't take it. Do I still got you there, Will? Yeah, no, I still got you. Okay, sorry. From a from from Jets secondary perspective, look, I think they've done a good job of mixing up coverages with Josh. Um, you know, they, they rolled in the two and the four. They rolled in some cover six. They went some man. They were able to kind of take away the deep portion of the field, generally speaking, and they trust those corners. And, uh, you know, Reed, Sauce, you know, those guys are they're no joke. And, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to trust them and then be able to get pressure with four, they trust their linebackers and coverage. Um, there's been an adjustment in the Jets defense from week three on that, you know, basically we're going to, we're going to be able to, uh, we're going to be able to kind of, you know, we're, we're going to trust those guys. We're going to get pressure with four and, and we're going to be able to kind of clog up the middle of the field in the back half. And, you know, for a Bills offense that works so much off those explosive plays, yeah. they had kind of Josh in a bit of a blender. It felt like where, you know, he thought they were in two, they were really in cover six, or he thought they were in man and they were really in cover three. Those things are you know crucial to stop Josh out and, um, you know, the Jets were able to do that and rely on those, that talent there. You know, they, the high-drafted talent and highly paid talent on the outside for the Jets. So tell me this. Uh, are we going to see Elijah Moore anytime soon? Is he going to come back we're, from the we're dead? Gonna see, we're going to see more. Um, he's a guy that's got moved into the squad now full-time. Um, he'll still play some outside reps, but Robert Sala mentioned it this week. He'll be a slot receiver for the Jets kind of going forward where he's able to, you know, kind of feast in college and, Gary Wilson's able to thrive on the outside, and, and he'll continue to you know work outside. And Corey Davis sends out Mims, and then Elijah Moore and Braxton Barrios work on the inside. So they've got a very formidable unit. Uh, getting Elijah Moore involved and, and kind of getting guys you know like Adenzel Mims involved, like they did against the Bills, um, in addition to Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis and others, um, is going to make this unit you know really strong both on the top end and also you know kind of a depth for from a depth perspective. 
I do got to say, though, I've been surprised that Denzel Mims has not only been getting the burn, but he's been doing stuff with it. He's not – he's out there. He's a good blocker. Like, I'm just – I'm surprised to see him, A, get the usage and the trust from his coaching staff considering how the offseason and really his career at large has been coming into the season, but what he's doing with the increased role that he's seen this year. Yeah, it's interesting. Denzel Mims is a guy that kind of just cast it off after the year last year. Showed a lot of promises as a rookie – Comes in as a as a pretty brutal camp, you know, in 2021. New system, new schemes, inactive for a lot of the year. When he plays, he's dropping balls, penalties. It's it's a mess, and didn't have a great camp, um, but finished really strong in the preseason. That third preseason game had over 100 yards receiving, his first touchdown. Showed some of the flashes, requests a trade, and you know, you're thinking, you know, he, he's probably spare parts at this point. Um, Corey Davis goes out. Denzel Mims has been working hard been able to come in and, you know, he's made some plays. You know, he didn't have a great game against Buffalo in terms of, uh, you know, catching everything, but the play that needed to be made, probably the biggest play of his career, uh, third and five on the Bills seven or eight-yard line, whatever it was, makes the play big body. Uh, you know, that's what really matters. And, um, you know, you got to be impressed with it and happy for the kids. You know, he's, he struggled, had a lot, you know, a lot of ups and downs through his first two and a half years in the NFL, but, biggest game of the year against probably the NFL's best teams able to make it a crucial third down catch and uh, you know you got to be happy for him you know with the way he's able to kind of come up clutch like that all right let's uh quickly fast forward to next week because the Jets are on the bye week this week will looking at that Patriots matchup 22-17 just two weeks ago is it really just they need more from Zach Wilson and if they can get the performance they got from uh Zach Wilson against the Bills that maybe that second uh you know matchup against the Patriots in Foxborough goes a different way this time yeah, I think if Zach Wilson plays Mac Jones of 2021, um, you know, the Jets win that game comfortably. Look, I, I think if you go back and watch the tape of that game, there's the three or four mistakes that happen. Even there's a couple of missed throws that, um, you know, aren't interceptions that, you know, should have been made guys wide open running on kind of man-beating concepts. If Zach Wilson can play at even a league average, I'm, you know, he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen on Sunday. If he can play at a league average level, the Jets should win comfortably. Um, if you protect the football, the Jets defense is good enough. Good field position to give them. You run the football. I think you give yourself a chance. It's all about taking care of the football for Zach and, and making those two to three throws that, uh, you know, you need, whether it's on third down, maybe it's a big play on a, on a double move, whatever that may be. If you can get that out of them, um, you'll be feeling more than good as a Jets fan. All right, well, tell the folks uh, here that are listening where they can find your work. There's a big matchup coming up in December against the Jets, and we want to have uh, all the good resources we can in Jets media. Where uh, Where can the folks find you? Yeah, so uh, Will PA11 on Twitter, Instagram, you know, the, the whole nine you know, whole nine yards on socials, and then the Turn on the Jets podcast, um, you know, every week, uh, a couple times a week, had a bunch of Jets players on this week, you know, have had some great people like yourself on the show, and, uh, you know, try to give fans some, some good insight and, and some unbiased opinions on, you know, the opponent coming up and, uh, you know, previewing the matchup. So um, I appreciate that, you know, obviously appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, enjoy uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of the game today at Yankee Stadium. Uh, we're, we're rooting for the Dragons today as well over here in Buffalo. So enjoy, man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Enjoy the bye week. Right, thanks so much, man. Take care. All right, Will Parkinson there of, tur- of the Turn on the Jets podcast on our West Her Hotline. Uh, we're going to take a timeout on the other side. DJ Enemy is going to join us at the 1 o'clock hour. And then we're going to hear again from Ross Tucker's uh, weekly segment with Mike Shope. And the Bulldog on Thursday. That's going to come back at your way at 1.30. We'll get that all previewed. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. 
Former Bill Center and NFL analyst Eric Wood joins Chopin the Bulldog every football Monday at 4 p.m. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at Northwest.com. Sal Capaccio takes you behind the scenes on Buffalo Bills game day with Sal's All Access. Watch it live on WGR's Facebook page. Sal's All Access presented by Duncan. America runs on Duncan. All right. Big thanks to Will Parkinson joining me live from Yankee Stadium watching his uh, alma mater Cortland uh, against Ithaca. The classic Cortica matchup, which I forgot was at Yankee Stadium. Now, it's kind of cool. I what is that division division three I was gonna say okay now they have since I've you know left college some old like you not quite as old I, as you what but I'm old like you yeah that's right uh, I graduated college in 2004 the first time I went to college twice like a huge idiot oh nice no that's smart second time around was 2012 now the the and and the second time going to college is always the cripple where the crippling debt comes into play right I mean that's where. Like, oh yeah, that's where you get the. It's like hitting the ABA Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah, that's not where, ABBA, by the way, not ABBA. No, um, but that would be a fun if if there were in the NBA All Star Seals Channel there was an ABBA ball instead yeah. of an ABA ball. <laughs> what it? I mean, what it? Yeah, I, mean, I think that'd, that'd be, be for great. us. For us, for, it would yeah, be us watching at home. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, right. Those, or or those, just really you and I. Those participating would maybe be, not. Yeah, they would have no idea. Not at all. Um, but uh, all in all, they have changed local slash New York State Division Three football divisions like maybe too much. When I was at Buff State, it was Cortland, Fisher, uh, and this would have been, oh, geez, I, I think we, which made no sense to me for the longest time. We were in, now help, help me make this sense, right? We didn't have Cortland, Ithaca, uh, St. John Fisher in our division, Corey. We did, would play them out of conference. Yep. But our conference was the NJAC, the New Jersey Athletic Conference. So we played teams like, mm, shoot, no, I'm, uh, concussions. So I'm just, you know. Uh, oh, so uh, name me some uh, New Jersey founding fathers. That's probably what the college was named after. What do we got? We got some John Jay action? No, no John Jay. Um, let's see. What else? There's what random small New Jersey cities. Trenton. Do we have Trenton? Salisbury. Salisbury. Absolutely. Uh, Rowan. Sure. Rowan was my first start. I played against Rowan. They're always very good. Uh, TCNJ, the Technology Central. I, I don't know. I, that, I made that up. Uh, Keene College. Okay. Keene College. Uh, William Patterson, which is where uh, in Montclair There's State. There's your founding father, by the way. Yes, William Patterson. Uh, we, you were right on that. Montclair State was the other big one that we, pl- that we had always played. Not to be confused with Montclair University. No, but Montclair State uh, is where um, Sam... Sammy Sweetheart from Jersey Shore went to college. Fantastic. Yeah. Did you play him? Uh, S- Sam Sweetheart is the girl. Oh, did you play She's her? She's the whiny girl. No, I did not. Okay. No, Ron. Ron was. He didn't go to to Montclair though. Just Sam did. They never. He never went to Montclair. Listen, I think there's a good chance next week we're gonna have the first segment be a history lesson of. Great moments in New Jersey Division Three athletics. No, no, no. Great moments in Jersey Shore history. Oh, okay. You, I mean, they might be the same. You dabbled, right? Like you, absolutely not. I was, I was on at the time. I was alive. It was the thing that was discussed. So I never had to watch it. People just told me what happened. It was yeah, kind of like but, that thing. But like now, you can't share stories. We can't. I'm aware of like. I know who Suki is. Like I, like, Snooky. Snooky. See. 
How long Snooky? Is it been, how long has it what been? What is that, Corey? How long has it been since it's been on the air? Like, probably close to a decade. Come on, man. I'm 40. I got two kids, doesn't man. Matter. I'm shot. Oh, man, I'm 40. It doesn't matter. What? What's her name? Snooker? Is that her name? Snooky. Euchre? J-Wow. Euchre. Yes. Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre was on the Jersey Shore. Give me a break. You know what? You have homework. I need you to watch every season of the Jersey Shore before next week's show. <laughs> Absolutely refuse. I will not do Don't this. even bother You're showing up a- unless you've watched every season. You will have a new producer next week. <laughs> Listen, it is captivating television. I'm really, I'm all, I, I was flirting with the idea this week. I'm really thinking about starting a Love is Blind blog. Uh, we we can put it on the website. Recap, Love is Blind. Recap, why not? You're watching. You're watching that show though, right? Locked on Love is Blind. Locked on Love is Blind. <laughs> That's right. An Odyssey app. <laughs> That's yeah, correct. On the Odyssey app. Now um, we're talking. No, but you're you're locked in on that though, right? No, nope. like Love is Blind. Nope. And and why is that? Because I don't have control of the television. I know a lot well, about Below Deck because that is something that somebody in my house watches that I just am around when it's on. But like, so you're trying to tell me <laughs> oh, I have no control over the television. Your wife doesn't watch Love is Blind. Nope. She definitely does. Below decks. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I got. I got some people that know you. I can get a backdoor in and and throw some throw some good. Uh, it's worse than you think because they'll tell you like, no, he doesn't watch. He's dead inside. There's nothing that happens. But the thing that would bring you and make you alive inside. I'm the sleepy time bear. Like if you go home and look at me of what's going on at home, I'm sitting in a comfy couch. You got my nightcap on. Got the little radio on to something sure. nice and soft. Got some chamomile in my tea, and I sure. am out. So here's the thing. What we need to do is we need to get you one of those knockoff iPads. They cost like sixty dollars, <laughs> right? Like there's a, there's a good South Park episode make, about this. Do they make a jitterbug iPad? Uh, right, where the it, buttons are huge. Exactly. Like, and th- this is a good South Park episode where Cartman wants the iPad. And he's like, "Mom, I can't. You can't buy me the knockoff iPad. I'll get laughed out of school." And that's where he's like, "Oh, oh so why don't you want to?" Me, mom, you want a, me in the store? Well, you know, it's just a great, it's a great, great episode of South Park, but I digress. We got to get you the knockoff tablet. So while you're in your robe, your hair is up and you're drinking your chamomile. That's right. All of these things are what people that watch reality love TV do. You have, you've set the stage to be a reality love show watcher mm. sans reality love show. You've got <sighs> your hair up. You just got out of the shower. You're drinking chamomile tea. But it sounds like you're wearing sh- a robe. It sounds like these shows stink, though. No, it's so good. It's 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 so good. It's so bad that it's good, kind of thing. Like my girlfriend and I, like I'll, we'll take turns like covering each other's eyes. Like, oh my god, I can't watch this part. Like it's just so much. It's so good, and you find yourself just in in just entrapped with all of these people and these ridiculous relationships. I, I already and, teach middle school. Do I need to watch it for entertainment is, too? Oh, hundred percent. A hundred percent. I cannot advocate. You have, if, if anyone has single-handedly inspired me to make this blog, it's for people like you who who will read all sorts <laughs> of nonsense so but couldn't spend an hour Atlantic. of your night watching Love is Blind. Just, you know, I'll just read your blog. I'll get caught up I on the podcast. That. I'll listen to the post-game show. I, you know, tomorrow's overtime show, second half of the overtime show is really just a synopsis of the season finale and reunion show of season three. Uh, you listen, buddy, depending on how the game goes? I might need to. I might need to go that Ooh. route. All right, we're going to take a time out. DJ Enemy ESPN joins us next. We're going to talk some Texans and some Dolphins because he's a Dolphins fan. He used to cover the Jets. We're going to get all around the AFC. That's coming up next here with DJ Enemy on WGR. Catch the Football Friday Roundtable every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. with Chopin the Bulldog. Brought to you by Dunn Tire, official tire dealer of the Buffalo Bills. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.